the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided our world has become? We desperately need stories of peace and healing. We find the bridge builders across the globe who are stepping into the divides of culture and bringing understanding, compassion, and reconciliation. And now, here's your hosts, Jonathan Sanborn and Lisa Jernigan. And hello again. Thank you so much to tuning in to Counterculture. I am Jonathan. And I am Lisa. So good to see you. Well, it's so good to be here again. You know, with you, every time we sit and have a conversation, it's always so fun. And it's, I learn and it's just, it's just good. I, I, I feel the same way. Yeah. I think this is, it's better for both of us as people. I'm yeah. glad I, I mean, that you were my guest and now we have a show together. I know that's so fun. I so, just love how that works. So we're benefiting, but I hope you're, you, the listener, are benefiting as well, just having sure. these kind of discussions. Sometimes we, most of the time, we have guests come in talking about some great topics and issues and, and t- hearing their stories. But other times we get to just kind of go deep and maybe to some kind of topic. And we're looking forward to that today. But I'm gonna, before we get into that, I got, right. I got something for you. So you, right. know, you know who John Christ is. Yes, I do. So a com- Christian comedian. Very funny guy. And he did a bit, I think, even just like a week ago. And it was he was driving around a city and he said, based on the sign, is that a church or is that a weed shop? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so I looked – I thought – so I did some research. Let's, what would that look like in Phoenix? And okay. so I'm going to test you, Lisa. Oh, No. If if you know if if, if, around, if you're driving around Phoenix, this could go bad. You, <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's no judging, right? There's no, no judgment. <laughs> so if we just if we name your church or your weed shop, don't feel judged, right? right. Uh, but we're just trying to guess based on the titles. This will be one, interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the first, you know, is True Leave. True Leave. It sounds kind of like. Truth and believe, or truth and relieve. Oh, oh. leave, L I K. True leave. I'll go church. That is a weed shop. Oh my gosh! <laughs> True. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, the the Grove. A church. That's a church. Okay. Boop. You got it. Okay. Good. Yep. Sunday goods. Oh. Goods just sound like commercial. I would say a weed shop. It is a weed shop, okay, but it had Sunday go. in it. It had I'm Sunday. Not sure what, I know, right? What's going right. on about that? <laughs> pink church. Ooh, pink church. I would say a weed. It, it is a church. No <laughs> way. <laughs> pink church. Pink church. I I just did a search on it just to be sure because I wasn't. I was like, yes, that's a real church. The pink. I wonder church. if that's a town. Pink, right? <laughs> I don't. Right. I want to. I want to th- think it is. <laughs> Revive. It's a church. Uh, that is a. It might be a church, but it is also a weed shop. 
I'm not doing well here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The well. Church. The well's a church. Okay. Okay. Got to get one right. Harvest. A church. A church. It's both. But, oh, it's both. It's both. There's both a harvest supply. I can see that being both. I can see that being both. Yes. So it didn't. It fits both categories. Isn't that interesting? Which is the topic of our show today? Like how I transition? I like. I love that. So, what is the topic of our show? Maybe. Maybe. Not everything fits into two categories. I love it. So, or another way to a second title, working title, reject this binary. Oh, that's Ooh, good. Like, that's, that's good. Should I do a book on it? I think I'm I think I'm so. feeling a book or something about it. I'm I feeling it. I think there's it. good. I think that's good. And that's a that's a topic that we use even with Amplify Peace mm-hmm. because how do we hold two truths? How do we hold two truths? Okay. Right? Because a lot of times we want to believe there's a right and a wrong. Right. Everything's uh-huh. so black and white. Uh-huh. We've been conditioned that way. Mm-hmm. But if everything is right or wrong, if I'm having a conversation with you and I think I'm right, how does that make you feel? Like, wrong. I'm telling you you're wrong. Yeah. Right? So I'm instantly on the defensive. Instantly. Because nobody wants to be wrong. Yep. Right? But if I'm telling you I'm right, I'm basically telling you you're wrong. Mm. Instead mm. of going, okay, maybe there's truth in both. Mm. We haven't been really good at, at finding that. Like, where is the truth in each side? And this goes back to having difficult conversations, to ha- dealing with conflict, um, how do we how do we get in the middle of that and go? Mm-hmm. Not one side is all right in this. That's this is so critical. And so I want just I want to think intellectually first about this, and then we can talk about our culture okay. and things like that. So I read an article in the New York Times, and it was actually looking at this. What's why are we so polarized? And it made the observation that when we go to school, we get on like let's just say we go a debate in school. And in a debate, what happens in a debate? You usually have two sides, right? Mm-hmm. And so hit the article's point, and which I've thought about for years ever since, is that do we create always create the structure where there's two sides, there's only two sides to every argument? Mm-hmm. And there's the like you said, there's the right and the wrong. And we're almost like intellectually trained and conditioned. And then you throw us into a culture. That is so unbelievably polarized. You're either for us or against us. You're you're either one of those bad people mm-hmm. or one of our good people. And you need to virtue, you know, virtue signal, do the things to show that you belong to us. Otherwise, you're one of those, right? You need to pick a side. Pick a side. There's no sense. So, and neutrality is just not an option. And and mm-hmm. there's there's people who say, if you're not for me, you're against me. Mm-hmm. Or what is the um, – you can't sit and do nothing. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, And people justify it with sort of these actionable, like, polarizing points. There, there might be some truth in some of that. Right. But it becomes a sort of absolute, like, either you're for my position, for my view on the world, view on America, view on this particular issue, or you're against me. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I, I, so that that basis is. I wonder if we the starting point is that we are we're trained and conditioned to instantly put things into two categories. W- would you agree with that? Totally. And just uh, the um, the examples just you, you just gave of like kind of our thinking that maybe we're mm-hmm. not even aware of. Yeah. But when you were when you were kind of rolling those off, I'm like, yeah, we've all been conditioned that way yeah. to think that way. Yeah. 
and that's just kind of a, a default without right. really thinking what that means, the, impl- mm-hmm. the implif- implications of that, right? Absolutely. And it, it applies to how we view uh, issues, mm-hmm. but it also applies how we view people. Mm-hmm. So let's look at, like, let's see if we can bring this back to the Bible for a second. And so I think about, like, who were the two main categories in Jesus' time? Like, there would have been the Jews and the Romans. Mm-hmm. And so it would be, it could, I think many Jews probably could have made the example that the Jews are good and being persecuted and oppressed by the Romans, and the Romans are bad. Right. So us, the Jews, the Ro- them, the Romans, bad. Right. And so yet Jesus comes into this situation, and it's, it's interesting how he interacts with the Roman society, the Roman leaders, mm-hmm. and the Jewish leaders. And in contrast, and he, Jesus himself being a Jew. Right. And so he doesn't necessarily fall. He doesn't accept that binary that the Jews are good. They're, and he knows the Old Testament. He knows God's sure. love and uh, special place for the Jews. Yet he doesn't fall into that category that says uh, the Jews are good and the Romans are bad. Right. 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 Based on politics, based on, the, hey, there's Roman soldiers wandering around. We don't have our freedoms. We, they truly rule over us. He could have easily said that, mm-hmm. but he doesn't f- use that those categories to even speak in his own society. Right. So that that's my first comfort is that Jesus approached the the people of his day not in binary terms. When he is actually harder on the Jews, the Pharisees. Exactly. Yes. I mean, he had harsher words for them than he did the Romans. He sure did. Yeah. Most it seems like most of his efforts and energies were focused on. The sins of his own, the people claiming to be on his right. of God's side, right? Rather than those who weren't, right? You know? Well, and when you just brought up like a people group, we tend to lump them in as all, mm-hmm. right? In our mind, we're like those Jews, right? So it's all Jews. Yeah, you're not seeing individual people. Yeah, and that's the problem when you start uh, putting people in a group, and that people group, that group is bad. Yeah, it. It eliminates the individual people mm-hmm. and seeing people yeah. and who they are. And not everyone's bad, yeah. right? There's a few that are bad. And generally, when you do the, the good and the bad, generally, it's a few voices that speak the loudest mm-hmm. and scream the loudest that get the most attention. And then we tend to judge the whole, the group, whole group by a few voices. By, right, by the loudest voices. Yes, I, we're all guilty of that. I am. Absolutely. I know I am. I oh, get at for times sure. You, I get, and I want to tune out those loud voices or categorize. But God keeps putting like people or examples in my way that won't let me rest mm-hmm. with that judgment. Right. Like I can't live with that for long with that judgment and categories when I if, if I start to do that towards the people. Like because inevitably. I have to start seeing those people as God's people mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. who Jesus died for, absolutely gave his life for, and wanted to minister to, who Paul in his ministry actually left his people to minister to those people, really right. pri- his primary ministry to the Gentiles and mm-hmm. his, uh, out, those outside of the Jewish faith. So I think there's we're so much examples of yet yeah, – in the face of a division, there were, we need to see how God views all people, not just in the binary categories. 
Which is easier have. to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it makes it simpler. And then a lot of times when you do the binary thinking, you're always on the winning side. Yeah. Right? The good side. Can you think of an example where you've had that, this bi- a binary that was kind of God kind of tore down? Well, you know, if I, I, I'll i be really vulnerable with all these listeners, right? Because um, it's just you and me in the room, right? right? No one's listening. No one's listening. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think part of my journey years ago was when, um, you know, I'd heard of even people of a different faith, like the Muslim faith. Yeah. And you you hear you you hear more from the lens of um, a terrorist lens or whatever, right? Yeah. So you tend yeah. to look at them as with fear a little yeah. bit, not really understanding and they don't love Jesus and we, we're the ones that love Jesus and mm-hmm. own Jesus until I met some amazing Muslim – they were actually leaders in their countries. But I remember sitting down with this one gentleman who was a Muslim who when he would talk about Jesus had tears in his eyes. Mm. And I, it wrecked my paradigm, wow. right? Because I'm like, what do you mean? And um, so I started asking him, like, first of all, how do you identify are you now saying you're a Christian? He said, oh, no, no, I'm still a Muslim, but I love Jesus. Yeah. And so that wrecked me because it didn't fit in my box. Right. And I think the thing with binary thinking is it puts it puts people and situations in a box, mm-hmm. right? And, it, and I, for me, I almost had to give myself permission to think mm-hmm. differently because when you've been so conditioned to think a certain way and it's been so ingrained and it's your default, you almost need somebody, yourself, God, mm-hmm. somebody else to go – it's okay to question. It's okay to rethink it. Mm-hmm. And so I – from that experience, which led to so many other experiences, I realized that I started looking at my own faith, and my mm-hmm. own faith journey and mm-hmm. how I was raised and what I was taught and started going, where did this come from? Is this coming from Jesus or is this coming from a culture or religion? Yeah. Right? But you almost have to give yourself permission to, to question that or to think differently. Yeah. And that's hard. It is. Really yeah. hard. And the, you, hum- you the humility to admit that maybe you don't right. see things clearly. Right. And I think that starting point, like why it's so important that we realize that binaries can be really dangerous. And anytime I might perceive one, it's quite possible I'm on the wrong side of the bi- – even yes. if there is a binary, yes. I could be on the wrong side of it. and Or likely I'm not seeing things f- truly clearly. Right. So um, – for you, I've, what it, what what has me, like been an aha like to going? Well, I mean, politics, I guess would yep. would have been. I studied, you know, I was raised Republican mm-hmm. and uh, Reagan era, and been around a lot of that. And there's many issues I probably would have identified mostly on on the right wing approach. Listen to right wing talk radio and all that. But and then I was overseas for a number of years, and then I ended up going to get my master's degree in Oxford, England, and um, I was involved with the church there. And so I, we, my wife and I, led a youth group, and I got involved in some of the leadership of it. And then I started to work with uh, Christians across across England. And so most Christians in England were more on the liberal side of politics, mm-hmm. and in my world. Most Christians are on conservative. In fact, m- almost all of them. And so I say, why is why is that? Why do we? What what are the categories? And there's people who I in, in America who who think it's inseparable. They can't even separate the idea that their politics and their faith is are they're so intertwined. The politics protect and per, you know do everything right for their faith and their views on it. And um, 
and it just cre- it creates a polarization. And so yet – and then here I was spent a, a, a wonderful year in the opposite where I'm most of my friends and, and dear people and in prayer meetings and seeing people – work the work of Christ through the church there and saw the opposite mm-hmm. where it was a, a far more liberal approach to the world and how uh, – Taxes, culture, ever, ever, you know, government role, all that stuff was just very, very different. And so I realized that I might, my, maybe my categories weren't good. Maybe the the binary of politics that we have that's so prevalent isn't the only way to view it. Mm. And and so and I've changed some of my views and I've kept some of them as well. And so, but I've but they're they're not in those. They don't fall into those same two categories so str- well anymore. And so I, I approach things, and it, this goes back to a Tony Campolo quote. It says, "Well, what would Jesus vote? What would who, you know?" And he would, and people, if people ask Tony, he would go, "Well, name the issue, uh, rather than who you would vote for. Just say, right. let's name the issue. Then we can talk about where we can what might be a Christian approach, rather than this sort of there's only two ways to approach every issue, right. and we're we're right and they're wrong, mm-hmm. and it's they're dangerous." Mm-hmm. And we're the saviors or whatever. And right. so – and so – and yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I am so with you on all that, mm-hmm. right? Because you start questioning. You go, yeah, some of this I still hold on to. Mm-hmm. Some of it I need to let go of. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to, to kind of admit for whatever reason. Yeah. And, but we've also become so comfortable with some of these ideas that we've grown up with. Yeah. And thinking patterns, like you said. Right. And to let go of those is hard. Mm-hmm. But – there's freedom on the other side too that I have found. Letting yes. go of some of these things that I didn't realize how much they were trapping mm-hmm. and hindering. And once you kind of broke out of that box, the binary, in some of those ways, going, actually, I can breathe easier, and I and I'm I'm experiencing God in mm-hmm. such a beautiful way, mm-hmm. right? I see Him so much more inclusive. I see Him so much more loving, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's not so many the rules yeah. of it, yeah. Which in so I think the binary thinking affects so many of our relationships yeah. that we don't even realize. <sighs> That's the scary part is that we're not always aware of it, right? So, but but it's the, there's a bin, there's still binary within me, and there's still within all. I mean, but being but the more we can like kind of shed the light on it and realize maybe the categories aren't as like pro life, pro choice categories, or maybe yeah, we can still talk about. A, what the reality of an abortion, but let's talk about the the larger issue involved, or re, or maybe on taxation, or you know, right, right. or religious freedom, right? You know, things that we or school, you know, there can be a godly approaches to talk about this these these topics. So we had a, a debate in a seminary in 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 Oxford, England, and so we t- talked about violent like. Peace and violence, and so we had an interesting because we had a pacifist professor, and then we had the head of the head trainer for all chaplains in the U.S. Army. Mm. So we had a, a great debate over military and should Christians should fight in wars? What is the biblical basis for violent, you know, war? And and so fantastic, and it was was it was wasn't like one easy quick. You know, I would have been very much on the Army, U.S. Army guy side for a while, but I think I, you know, listening to those debates open-mindedly at the at the start and where they're both coming from and what presuppositions they have 
helped me to see like maybe that by, that right and wrong thing wasn't as clear to me. Well, you had a key word. I was open. I was open. I was open to hearing, first of all, mm-hmm. and then to going and looking inside of me to go, where am I holding some of these things? So um, one of the things as you're talking, I think a lot of times we come into a conversation and whether it, it can easily go to a debate instead of a dialogue. But even when we come in conversations like you're like you're sitting in that with two different mm-hmm. sides. And I think a lot of times we see the outcome has to be a winner. Yeah. So even how would you define a winning yeah. situation in that? Well, that's a great question. Winning is – what is winning? That's is, what I'm saying. What is yeah. winning? Is it one side's like got everybody on their side? What does winning look like in well, a conversation? I think you have to be very careful when you end a relationship. Anything that could per- – I view like the, my, a primary goal – is to preserve a relationship, right. even if there's disagreement. Right. I can. It doesn't mean I can't have strong an opinion. It might not be as strong because I know there could be different points of view, but I can give an opinion that hopefully an informed opinion, but open enough to know that maybe my opinion doesn't has holes in it. Maybe it's seventy percent accurate, or maybe it's twenty percent right. accurate. You know, and so at least. So, but if I've preserved that that I'm willing to have another dialogue with that person. And we can we, it's, we don't feel like, oh, we'll just, we just can't talk about that anymore. I think that's a loss. I think that's a beautiful example of that's winning, yeah. right? Is preserving the relationship, mm-hmm. recognizing that maybe I have holes in some of my things. So admitting yeah. like, I'm not 100% right in this. Yeah. And so then take that to like, uh, let's take practically, we're coming into holiday seasons pretty mm-hmm. soon. So we have families with different yep. opinions. Yep. So what does that look like? How do we practice that binary thinking when we're sitting around a holiday table and we're coming into another political season? Yep, another. Here's a way that it's going to be amping up again. So how do we yeah. even be proactive and preemptive and having conversations and just relating with people with this binary thinking in, in mind? I think there's always value in when someone feels like you've heard them. Mm. I think that's a win. For sure. And I and even if I don't – there's certain topics I just avoid. Like someone's giving a super strong about vaccines or maybe about election integrity. I might not quickly venture my opinion on what – on that given how that person is talking about but if I, if they know that I'm listening to them mm. and, and valuing what they have to say, and there might and even I might there might be a point I can affirm or some you know some percentage of, you know some part of that what they're saying, if they know I care about them and that they are, that they've then we can talk then I, I can kind of feel out if it's worth talking but the, if, but we walk away that nothing's been broken but and, right. and in fact perhaps we've built on because they feel appreciated and understood. Mm. So I don't know. I think that's so. Gr- that's such a great point because those are really good practical mm-hmm. ways we can do that. Because we, what we've seen in the past three years and even beyond that, is so many broken relationships because mm-hmm. people are unwilling to preserve a relationship. They're unwilling to mm-hmm. go. Well, maybe I just hold this loosely. Yeah. Right. I don't have to win. The art, I don't have to win this yeah. conversation. Right. There's another way of winning, and. Um, I think that's a matter, and that's because this is affecting this thinking mentality is affecting our families, it's affecting our churches, and it's affecting our witness to the community mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. you know, Jesus followers. Yeah. So it really is important <laughs> yes. that we really try to understand that. And even when somebody comes to you with a, with 
uh, an opinion or a belief that's so different mm-hmm. than you. And sometimes when we hear that, it, 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 it evokes like emotions inside. Yeah. It can trigger something, right? right? But what if instead of us ready to spew and <laughs> contradict and challenge, yeah. what if we said, help me understand where you came to that perspective? Yeah. Right? Wow. Yeah. I know. <laughs> because like you said, it validates the person that you were listening to them. Mm-hmm. And then what if once you heard the rest of the story and why, you would go, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I understand why you would say that, why you would feel yeah. that way. And it's okay to have a falsehood unchallenged. Mm. It's okay to, to at the at the sake, for the sake of preservation of the relationship. That's, I mean, that's my opinion on this, but. I think that's so good. I, to, I just have to be very careful when I really challenge someone. One, if they've asked for it or if there's some unique circumstance. But so, oh, boy, you know what? I think we could talk about this for another show easily. But this is so this is so good. It's so what I feel like one of those foundational ideas, this, the, this dangerous binary that permeates our culture, mm-hmm. that makes us choose sides, makes us want to see the other people being destroyed or getting owned or humiliated while our side looks good and victorious. We got to be careful. I would argue that the temptation to win and crush your opponents in debate is actually a sinful desire. Absolutely. I think that's really, you know, rather than we, I think we need to think differently. Like we're not in competition. We're not in competition. We can talk about ideas. It's okay to. There might be places where we can disagree and or point out something, and and it doesn't have to wreck a relationship because have to we don't see in the same yeah. way, right? So yeah. Well, so if let's let's continue this. This is so important to peacemaking and bridge building. Is just understanding that binary that's in all of us. And I so. think I love these kind of conversations because now I'm going to leave here even aware of myself in conversations where I start to go into that place of yeah. binary thinking. Yeah. yeah. Well, always good talking with you, Lisa. Hey, so good. Thanks, Jonathan. <laughs> Take care. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Amplify Peace, educating, immersing, training, and launching peacemakers to build united communities. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.